Good morning. Very warm welcome to everybody online or here. You know, when I last spoke, can you remember the title was One Thing? And I asked a few people at the end, what's the one thing you're going to take away from this service? And without hesitation, some people who were fairly new to the church said, love. And I thought, hmm, you could do worse, couldn't you, in a church? Then have people leave saying, whoa, I really remember his love. Remember that God loves you. Yeah? So I want to bring that together with Pastor Giles' sermon last week, which was, and breathe. Well remembered, everyone. <laughs> and breathe. Yeah? And see that when we take a pause, he used the word sila, which is an Old Testament word for pause and calmly think about it. And when we do that, we're going to talk today about listening to God. So we could say, and breathe, and listen. Yeah? Because how many of you parents or teachers, or if you've led a meeting, you're saying, okay, everybody quiet and listen. Yeah? If we want to hear from God, we need to still ourselves and listen. Because the Bible says that God will speak. It says in Psalm 85, verse 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. So there's two or three things going on there, aren't there? I will hear, so, you know, it's worth listening because I will hear what God the Lord, so God the Lord of the universe wants to speak to people like us. This Psalm 85 was written by the sons of Korah. They might not have thought they were very, anything very special, but they said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. So he will speak, yeah, and it says, and he will speak peace. Some people don't want to hear God because they think he's going to say something really scary or bring out a list of all the terrible things they've ever done or tell them all the hard things they've got to do. But he says he's going to speak peace because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says God is love. So anything you hear, any thoughts that come from God are going to be thoughts of love. That's really important to know that. God is love. And love wants to communicate doesn't it? If you had to think about one thing about God, people would say, God is love. Jesus said the first and greatest commandment, love God, love each other. Paul said all the commandments are summed up in one word, love your neighbor and love God. Yeah, so God is all about love and love wants to communicate. My whole career was spent in speech and language therapy in communication. And some of you may have read that book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Yeah? And we all give and receive love in different ways. I can't remember them all, but, you know, gifts and words of love and acts of kindness, time spent together. You know, God said to Moses, I said this last time, he said, come up the mountain and be there. And Jesus said to Mary, didn't he, one thing is needful. Just listen to me. Sit at my feet and hear my word. And isn't it true that perhaps with the fast pace of life, we don't spend a lot of time pausing and listening? So I want to talk a little bit today, and we're going to do something a little bit different. But God does speak. It says in Job 33, God does speak one way and another. Because we all hear and receive from God in different ways. Some people are more kind of, they call it kinesthetic, you feel things. And some people are more listeners, and some people are more visual. So, you know, if you sat in a group of people and just praying about work or whatever, 
Somebody might say, well, I can see some open doors. I can see some doors opening and light. And someone else might say, well, I heard that verse, you know, that says God will open doors before you. And someone else might say, well, I just have this feeling of space and openness. And they've all had a thought from God, haven't they? But just received it in different ways. So God knows you. God created you. God knows how to reach out to you and let you know that he's there. And it's always going to be through his word. Yeah, it's always going to be something to do with the Bible. God will never contradict his word. So if you hear him say, go and rob a bank, you know, that's not going to be God, is it? Yeah. Or go off with your neighbor's husband or wife. No, that's not going to be God. Yeah. Because that's not what the Bible says, is it? Yeah. It's always going to be about love. The Bible will build us up. Yeah. If it tears you down and makes you feel bad, it's not God. So be sure of that. And what we'll do today is we're going to look at a few pictures from the Bible and use our imagination a little bit to see if we were there, what would we be saying to God and what might he be saying to us? So could we have the first picture, please? Okay, so what's that? Jesus, well done. <laughs> That's always a good answer. Mm, well, yes, something to do with that. Look at his, by his feet. The loaves and fishes. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Now, our nature is going to say, oh, yes, the feeding of the 5,000. I know that one. What's the next one, Lizzie? But what we're going to do is we're going to pause and calmly think about it. And I want you to imagine that you're in that picture. Have you ever watched um, the Narnia film, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? And they're looking at this picture of some water. And before they know it, they're kind of in the picture and in the water. So I want you to think, right, okay, so if I was there, if I was the little boy who gave his lunch, or if I was the disciples giving it out, or if I was in the crowd, especially at the back of the 5,000, yeah, 5,000 people and something's happening at the front and you're hungry, yeah? What might you be saying to Jesus there? So the little boy might say, well, this is all I've got. Yeah, I've only got five loaves and two fishes, and if I give it to you, I'm not going to have anything, yeah? And if you were the disciples, you'd be saying, well, okay, well, we'll give it out if you say so, Jesus, but, you know, this much for the thousands, yeah? And what would Jesus be saying back? He'd be saying to that little boy, look, you give me what you've got and watch what I can do with it. And what about the disciples? Look, just come in, give out what I give you, and there'll always be more. And those people at the back, maybe we feel sometimes that we're a bit in the back of the crowd. Is there enough for me in the Christian world? Yeah, or am I left out? And Jesus is saying, uh-oh, there's plenty for everybody. And there's going to be baskets full left over. And you see, before you know it, you've kind of heard from God, haven't you? You've taken a picture, a story from the Bible, and then you start thinking, well, okay, if I bring Jesus out of that picture into my life where I feel I haven't got enough, and say, Lord, I just haven't got enough here, what's he going to say to me? He's going to say, it's okay. You give me what you have, and I'll do what I can. You give out what I give you, and I'll make sure there's plenty. You see, so you can take a Bible story and just have a little imagination around it. And before you know it, you've had some encouraging thoughts from God, haven't you? About how he will provide. And you can put a scripture to it that says, my God will supply all my need according to his riches in glory. The important thing was the little boy gave it to Jesus. 
the important thing was that disciples came to Jesus for more. They didn't try and do it on their own. <clears throat> and that might be a good word for you today. Don't try and do it on your own. Yeah. So let's have the next picture. What's this one? The Good Shepherd. Absolutely. And you know the story of the Good Shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I'm the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And that means if that sheep goes off and hangs off a cliff, Jesus would give his life for it, risk his life to rescue the sheep. Now, what about if we got into that picture? What about if we were the, the sheep that had gone off? Perhaps we do. Or maybe we're the mother or the father or the friend of somebody who we know has gone off and is in trouble, serious danger. What would we say to Jesus? We might say, Jesus, I've just gone off the track here. Can you, can you come and help me? We might say, my son, my daughter, my friend, my husband's gone off. Can you do something? What would Jesus say? Would he go, no, sorry, <laughs> they've had their day. No, you know, because we know that doesn't feel right, does it? doesn't sound like God. I'm going to say in a little while about how you can tell one voice from another. But it's about, you know, that doesn't sound like God saying, no, let him manage on his own, let him fall off the cliff. And isn't that sometimes how perhaps we would react? Or perhaps when you get together chatting with your friends, oh, for heaven's sake, I've done my best. But not Jesus. Yeah, his love is never failing. His faithfulness never comes to an end. His loving kindness endures forever. And we, when we know that sort of thing about God, we know the sort of tenor of what he's going to say. So yeah, what might he say? He say, yes, I've got a way. I'm the good shepherd. Yeah, I know how to find them. I know where they are. And I've got a way. You just stay in the fold, he might say to us. Don't you go wandering off. You stay in the fold and see what I can do. Yeah? So again, we've kind of had a little look at a Bible story and had a think about what we might say. And then we bring him off the picture into our lives. What situation is in your life where you think things have been lost? Perhaps we can all feel that. We felt we've lost things. We've been singing about resurrection, things gone into the grave. But something comes up out of the ashes. Hope and new beginnings. And Jesus is saying, yes, that person may have messed up their lives, but I can give them a new beginning. A start again, anybody. Okay, next picture. Hmm. Now, this is, we weren't able to put the one about the light of the world that I wanted to because of copyright. But some of you may know the story of Jesus, the, the picture of Jesus, the light of the world by Holman Hunt. You may have seen it when you came in. It's a picture of Jesus. And this is, we've got the light of the world. We've got him standing at the open tomb in his resurrection glory. Yeah. But this picture, this picture, light of the world, is of Jesus standing at a door that's overgrown with foliage and whatnot. And he's knocking. And the important thing is there's no door on the outside. So Jesus is standing there with his light, with his crown of thorns, knocking on this overgrown door. And there's no handle, so he can't force his way in. Now, have a think about that. What about if you were in that picture? Would you be on this side of the door with Jesus saying, come on, keep knocking. Keep knocking on my friend's life. Keep knocking on the government's life. Yeah, Keep knocking on that door and go in there and take your light in. 
Or maybe we're the other side of the door. Maybe there are people here who've never actually invited Jesus to come into their lives and save them. You know, the whole point of the picture is that Jesus rose from the grave. That God loved people so much he created them, but they pulled away from him, pulled off from communicating with him. Remember in the story, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they used to just walk and talk with Jesus in the evening. But when they did things wrong, they just didn't want to. They hid. And maybe some of us are hiding behind that door. Maybe you know there's a a God or a Jesus somewhere. And you need to know that Jesus died so that everything that might disqualify us for being friends of God was completely dealt with. The fact that he rose from the dead meant that every sin was punished in full. Otherwise, he'd have had to stay dead because the wages of sin is death. But he rose from the dead to prove that the, the wages of sin had been paid by his blood. And when we take communion later, we're going to remember that. And we can say to God, okay, I've got the handle of this door, and I want you to come into my life. I need you to come in. I feel so guilty about some things. I've got such a lot on my conscience. I've done some things in my life I wished I hadn't. I just want you to come and wash it all away. And I want you to help me by your spirit to live a life that I'll be glad of when I die. And we can do that. In fact, I think we should do it now. There may be people here or online that have never done that. You've sort of known there was a a knock at your door. And you can pray this prayer. You can say, God, I know you're there. And I know I've done things that weren't right. And I do believe now that Jesus took that and was punished for it and rose again because it's forgiven. I want your light to come in my darkness. And I want to live a life that I'll be glad of when I die. Help me, please. Amen. Amen. If you've done that for the first time, come and tell us. Because Jesus will have responded to that. This Jesus who seeks the lost sheep. This Jesus who feeds the 5,000. This Jesus who died on the cross. Yeah, he will have come in. But maybe it's not quite as dramatic as that. Maybe there are dark corners in our lives where we don't really want God to come in. So thank you very much. I'm fine groping around here in the dark. Yes, I can manage fine. Don't need you. Yeah. Maybe today is our day to say, all right, there is something that I need you to come in and, and talk to me about. And he will. Remember the very first scripture we had, he will speak peace to his people. It goes on, actually, the verse goes on to say, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He will speak peace to his people, but let them not turn back to foolishness. So (laughs) there's a little bit of a thing there, isn't there? You know, you hear from him, but don't go back to the stuff that you wished you'd never did, you'd never done. Yeah? So let's do the fourth picture. And this is an interesting picture. What is it? Yeah, Jesus walking on the water. Now, what's, what's wrong with that picture? It should be rough. It should be stormy. Actually, the people in the boat were in fear of their lives because there was this terrible storm. So I want you to kind of imagine it, that Jesus is not walking along a glassy sea, that you almost think you could do it. No, he's, you know, there's all sorts going on, a storm going on. And uh, you know what Peter does in a little while? Peter uh, 
has a go, doesn't he? Jesus says, if, it, if it's you, get me, call me out. So Jesus says, come on then. So he comes out, and then he looks at the winds and the waves. So, I mean, you wouldn't look at that, would you, and think, oh, help. No. But you can, you can, he, he starts sinking, and Jesus reaches out his hand and takes them back to the boat, and the storm is calmed. So where would you put yourself in that picture? Yeah, would you put yourself in the boat, panicking? Would you put yourself on the water like Peter, having a go? Hmm, wonder where you'd put yourself. What would you say? Okay, Jesus, here I come. Yeah, I'm going to do this brave thing. I'm going to take on this job. I'm going to take on this ministry. I'm going to do this thing that I never thought I could. I'm going to receive Jesus as my savior. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to receive your Holy Spirit. Yeah, these are all daring things that we, we do as Christians. Yeah, I'm going to dare to tell someone about Jesus, tell them about my faith. And Jesus says, yeah, and I'm going to hold your hand. And if you do trip up or slip or sink, I'll hold you up. Yeah, I'll take you back to the boat and we'll all be safe and sound. Yeah. So in all those ways, you can think, hmm, there's a way that I can communicate with God and God can communicate with me. And it's not as weird and wacky as you think. You know, I didn't go into a trance here, did I? I say, oh, I believe God's saying. Nothing like that. No, this is just... <laughs> This is just your everyday life. Your everyday reading the Bible. Yeah, that this can be the truth for you. You can say, Lord, just what do you want to say to me? Do you remember I said last time, it's about opening and shutting. Open your Bible, open your notebook, and open your heart. And just write down the thoughts that come to you. Shut out all the noise and the clamor. And say, okay, I'm just going to pause and breathe and listen. And then I do recommend that you, you talk it over with somebody who you know hears from God, you know who's a strong Christian, so that we don't go too wacky and hear really weird and wonderful things. It's always good. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, it says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a word will be established. So yeah, let's not go off on our own with weird, weird things. So how do we know the difference between God speaking and the devil, or just our own heart? Well, as I said earlier, you know a little bit about the nature and character of God. <clears throat> we also know a little bit about the nature and character of the devil. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit of God, let me give you a bit of a checklist. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. He's the helper. He's the intercessor. He's the advocate. He's the strengthener. He's the standby. He's the teacher. He's the guide. Now you get a little checklist like that and say, does what I think I'm hearing tally up with that? Yeah, he leads you into all truth. He glorifies Jesus. He brings unity. What about the devil? What do we know about him? He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He steals. He kills. He destroys. He accuses. He lies. So if what I hear is kind of, well, you know, just don't, don't tell anybody. You know, just steal that and don't tell anyone or, you know, that person upset you, so go and give him a good thump. Yeah, that's not going to be God. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> He's more likely to say, let's talk about how you can forgive them and be restored to them. Yeah. So those are the, the guides, really, for hearing from God. But I would always say, make sure it tallies with Scripture, 
and make sure that you talk to somebody about it, somebody who's been a Christian a bit longer than you. Yeah. I want to pray for a few minutes. And then in a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And communion is a really good time to have a pause and breathe and listen. What does it mean to me, Jesus, that you died on the cross? What does this bread mean? What am I doing with this bread? Jesus said, this bread reminds you of my body, which was given for you, which was beaten and bruised and battered and killed. And this blood, this juice we drink, reminds you that my blood was shed. And because of my blood, all things are possible. Yeah? So let's just pray for a few minutes. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on your word. Breathe life. Help us all to go away from this with that positive attitude of, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible, listen to the Bible, and I'm going to listen out for you because I know you're going to build me up and say some helpful, good things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.